You're listening to Frontlines, a podcast for the people that truly make mountain biking happen. Not the riders, racers, or product designers, but the builders, advocates, and the often forgotten board members of your local mountain bike trail association. We've discussed politics in its many forms on this show in the past. And this episode of the podcast, we'll be hearing from three individuals who decided to make the move from being trail advocates, working or volunteering on their local mountain bike trail associations, to running for municipal government. Before we get to that, though, I want to remind you that starting November 6th is the 2018 MTB State Summit happening in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Follow the link in the show notes and register to go. It'd be great to see you there. Now, as always, I'm your host, Brent Hillier. And this is episode 49 of Frontlines. I'm joined by three guests, all of which can be described as trail advocates. They each play or have played an integral role in their local trail association, and each of them ran in the most recent municipal election in British Columbia, Canada on October 20th. I'd like to begin by introducing Janice Newfeld to the show. Janice is from Nakus, BC where she's part owner of the local bike shop, Sean's Bike and Ski, president of the Kootenai Adaptive Sports Alliance, and project manager of the Nacusp and Area Bike Society. Just recently, she was elected to city council. Hi, Janice. Welcome to the show. Hi, Brent. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Next, I'd like to welcome Stuart Spooner. Many would describe him as the muscle behind the Kootenai Columbia Trail Society, where he's the operations manager. He joins us from Roslyn, BC, where he too was recently elected to their city council. Hi, Stuart. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Brent. Thanks. And next we have Jeff Cook, former president of the Squamish Off-Road Cycling Association. Jeff was running for the position of mayor in Squamish and came a very close second to former councillor Karen Elliott. Hey, Jeff. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. So all three of you took a, a plunge into local politics, and I'm, I'm sure that decision was, was made with careful consideration, and I'm, I'm sure that that must have been uh, a, a, an exposing experience to have your name out there. Watching the results roll in last Saturday, I was certainly pulling for, for all of you. I live in a, a different riding, so I wasn't able to help any of you on, on my particular ballot. But what I want to start with is with Jeff. And so uh, unfortunately, you weren't successful at, at getting elected, but um, I, have, I have two questions for you to kind of to, to get us rolling. What did you learn from, from this experience? And, and uh, the other question, you might not be able to completely answer this one just yet, but do you have a plan of potentially running uh, next election as well? So what did I learn? Uh, quite a bit. Uh, I, I, I actually had a fortunate experience to meet uh, a lot of great people in our community, uh, a lot of people that have uh, so much to give of themselves, so much knowledge, information. Uh, th they really want to be engaged and involved in the community, and, and many of them don't quite know how. So it's, it's interesting to know that all those resources are out there. The other thing I learned too is the, I, I really underestimated the power of uh, people wanting to kind of just cruise with the status quo, uh, not kind of get out of their comfort zone, maybe go with a, a familiar name, and, and also underestimated the number of people that that made up their decision in, in probably in the last forty-eight hours uh, of who to vote with 
you know, some, some engagement in the process, but probably a pretty limited amount. So, uh, it's, it was tough to, uh, unseat the incumbents with that. I, I think, uh, you have to do something pretty, pretty radical to shake people out of their comfort zone. And so that, that was a good, it was a good learning, good to understand that anyway. As far as next four years, yeah, we'll see. My I, and kind of going into it, my goal was never to to be mayor just to win and and to be mayor. It was always you know how can we best help the community and how can we you know give back and and if uh, Mayor Elliot now who's who's in there, if she does a great job over the next four years, and then I'm happy with that and and I'd be happy to support her continuing on. But if things you know are another four years and nothing changes, then, then I'll, I will likely do something to, to either run myself or support someone else that I think is a, a good candidate. Awesome. Now, uh, Janice and, and Stuart, what's the future looking for, for both of you now that you have new jobs? Well, uh, this is in the cusp anyways, getting a, uh, a seat on council. It's hard to call it really a job. It's pretty um, on the side of your desk here because we're such a small village. So I definitely don't think of it as a as a job. I'd say it, I'd consider it more of a you know a commitment to my community to to help with this vision and this yeah transformation of what's kind of happening right here in the cusp right now. So hard to call it a job, but I suppose that is what it is. We'll take it as it comes, I guess. Yeah. And Stuart, how about yourself? Yeah, let's say again, it's a small community here and it's, it's certainly not a full-time job. You know, it's, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. I'm used to having a bit of a slow period over the, over the winter months. My trail building job winds down and uh, this will definitely keep me a lot busier over, the, over those quiet months. But yeah, it's more of a part-time thing and it's really just being more engaged in the issues than I already am. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. So were trails and, and recreation uh, the main item on, on anybody's platform? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I used recreation as one of my main platforms. And uh, most people that know me, like I, as uh, Stuart and I were discussing how we really didn't need to campaign. Uh, these are small communities. Everybody knows who I am and everyone knows what I do. So... Um, I, I definitely was um, pushing that um, if elected to council that yes, recreation parks and indeed the need for some more trails within village within the village are are needed. So so yes, that was one. It wasn't everything. Um, uh, the second would be actually the the business side of that because I also you know I own a business right on the main street that a revitalization of downtown which really goes hand in hand with recreation, in my opinion, you know, because of the, the tourism that's brought, because of the, the increased um, people wanting to move here for the recreation, that they really were tied hand in hand. And then I let the other issues such as housing and, and such be kind of held by the other candidates who ended up be, being voted on as well. I don't think that were the uh, the main issue for me, but it's certainly a major consideration. Our community's gone through a, like a review of recreation in general, and trails is a part of that mix, and you know, I, I think I, you know, I bring my experience to those to considering recreation issues, and that's certainly part of you know my appeal, I think, to voters. 
Jeff, what about yourself in Squamish? Because I had been so tightly tied with uh, Sorka for so long, it was actually um, important to almost distance myself in a way from, from it because the immediate impression for people was, oh, it's, he's just going to be all about mountain bikes. When in fact, I think the most important issues facing Squamish are have to do a lot with the, you know, extremely rapid pace of residential development and the lack of jobs getting created here. So that, that was my main focus. Um, there are, uh, there's obviously a huge recreation bias within the population, both well with mountain biking, rock climbing and, and wind sports. So those people all get out to vote, but, uh, you know, what, it certainly wasn't the main thing. I think people were more pragmatically involved with, you know, like considering, affordable housing and economy and jobs and transportation and all, all the uh, things that are, are getting to be more, I don't know, we're evolving to, to all the inconveniences of a big city without any of the amenities. <laughs> what was the, the main reason for running? What was the main pull to, to kind of put your name uh, in the hat, so to speak? Stuart, would you like to answer that? Yeah, my motivation was to ensure that the perspective that I bring was was reflected on council. I, I'm not one of the wealthier people in the community. Um, I'm, you know, I, I think I presented myself as being a lot more frugal and uh, a lot more focused on living a simple life and, and enjoying recreation in the community. And I, I, I bring a whole bunch of values associated with that to my position and I'm determined that rather than a council develop, you know, dominated by developers or dominated by you know an old guard of, of salaried employees, I, I can bring a different perspective, and uh, that that's that's what motivated me. Go ahead, Janice. I decided to run mainly because um, I knew that what I could offer for council would be. Uh, would be very effective to helping the community to transition from uh, which we what we've been as a predominantly resource-based economy for a long time to more of a uh, tourism and recreation-based economy. That is the way that we're going, and um, and I so I felt a commitment. I almost even felt an obligation to run, knowing that um, I had the skills and the and the background and the foresight to know how to help guide uh, this village. And really, it was that my reasons to run were just way better than my reasons not to run. Because trust me, I had a lot of reasons not to run too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I have some of the same same reasons as Janice. It's just, you know, sitting back and watching things happen is not my style. Um, and when I, you know, you see things happening in your community that aren't, uh, aren't in its best interests or certainly not uh, the best that it could be. It, it motivated me to, to step up. I have been involved in, in the community in, in, you know, with chamber of commerce and, and I'm still the president of crime stoppers here and, and have all have been sort of president as well. So I've been, I've been involved in various ways and just trying to make our community a, a better uh, and this this seemed like a, a natural evolution, um, and it seemed like one where we're kind of at a crossroads now with with the amount of growth and, and the direction that we head in the next four years is I think is going to be really important. Well, that's what I felt uh, we were at a, a bit of a crossroads here. So uh, now was the time to to step in and and 
and uh, jump at it. And hopefully, you know, the goal was to, to really take things in a, in a different direction and apply a, a very different lens to, to how, how things are run in the town. What about your, your past experience as a trail advocate made you want to run or, or made you feel like you'd be the, the right person for the job? Part of my, uh, part of my experience in the last seven years has been being part of uh, Squamish's rebranding uh, committee um, and where we really tried to distill down what what makes Squamish special you know why do people move here why do people come to uh, recreate and visit here uh, and so it, it become it became really clear through that experience how important outdoor recreation was to the people who live here but also to our economy uh, and then I was quite involved with the Western Canadian mountain bike associations or tourism associations uh, uh, economic impact study and we actually did our own economic impact study here for mountain biking specifically and and you know you see how critically important that is for our local economy and how much uh, value and wealth uh, our trail network as a huge asset brings so understanding that and the, the economics of it uh, was really important you know my, my prior experience before that is, has been I've been a business owner for 20 years in my own franchise business. But prior to that, I used to work for companies like Kraft and Kellogg and Pepsi and in corporate environments. And, and so I had a lot of the, the foundational business background and leadership background that really applied well to my skills in, in running Sorka uh, and every other organization I've been part of. And I thought, you know what, we can bring those those types of skills to the mayor's office uh, in, in a way that just hasn't hasn't shown up before. That, that was my big motivation to, to push. I, I think we could have done things in a, with a level of uh, kind of financial discipline and, and kind of marketing expertise that we've, we've really never seen here. Go ahead, Janice. Um, I, I just thinking here, I, I have three things that I'd say have uh, helped me um, as being a, a trail advocate in preparation for now being on council. Uh, one is similar to what Jeff was just saying with regards to vision, um, you know, investing in trails and really what being a part of trails and the trails community is part of a, a vision really um, and having those trails as part of the overall vision um, and how they contribute to the community um, you know that definitely has has helped uh, second it's been helpful to understand process because to you know be able to uh, navigate all the requirements to be able to have that trail, to be able to maintain that trail, to be able to build new trails, to be able to have access and who's going to have access and that sort of thing. And then third, and I'd say almost, you know, most importantly, it's helped me to deal with controversy that, uh, you know, trails, um, everyone's so passionate about their trails and everybody's so passionate about their communities and how they want thing to go. And when you bring in your emotions and your passion, there's always bound to be a little bit of controversy. And I'm fully expecting to to see that during my term on council. And um, having been involved with trails and over the last few years has definitely helped me to um, to understand compromise and listening and um, working through that. So that's my, that would be my take. Yeah. Stuart? Yeah, I think uh, operating a trail network's not that different than, than running a city, you know, just in a in a different focus. You know, I'm I'm dealing with you know 40 different landowners and all the different user groups and connecting with local government, and it's about 
talking to all those people and 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 finding those solutions that that balance all those different interests. So you know, to me, it feels like great training for for moving into a into a you know, obviously a, a different focus. I'm going to be dealing with you know, city services and amenities, but you know, the finding that balance and talking to all those people and and you know, balancing the interests of all those different stakeholders is is, is not a whole lot different. What would you say to people who who believe that trails and and politics uh, are are two separate things, and that um, trails should never really be within that political sphere? I, I'll tell you, uh, our circuit board had that exact same discussion when they were deciding how uh, whether or not to endorse me as a candidate, and and so they ended up saying, "Well, we want to be neutral. We don't, you know." I, I think the the a big part of the board was thinking like we, we should try and stay neutral or out of it, or maybe we should just be uh, not a political organization, but just, Hey, let's just have fun on bikes. Um, I, I think the unfortunate reality is as soon as you're asking for funding or uh, help from a local government, you're, you're in it, whether you like it or not. Uh, you have to participate in the process if you want to benefit the members and the trails, uh, your, your members of your club and, and the trail network that you, you're representing. Yeah, I think it is political. Um, you know, even at the, the narrow level of, of you know, trail users, you know, identifying you know, what the priorities are going to be amongst all the different, you know, all the different values and interests, even within the trail units, the community requires political judgments. And then when you expand that into, you know, the practicalities of dealing with government agencies and landowners and funders, you know, it's a, it's a political process. And I agree with Stuart. It really is. It's, it's political, whether you, you know, want it to be or not. That's part of what's happened with trails now with them all being legitimized and all the stakeholders and needing all the permissions you're dealing with, uh, you're dealing with government different levels um, regularly, so it is political, no question. I just just add one more thing, Brent. Um, the other groups and other interests are all being political, right? So, you know, for instance, in town, you have the Wind Sports Club who have an opinion are trying to promote their interests. You have the Gun Rod and Gun Club that are promoting their interests. You have our public uh, uh, union employees having their interest in promoting their person. And you have our current sitting mayor promoting what they want as endorsing their candidate. Um, so it's, unless you're engaging in that process and realizing this is the game that's getting played, if you sit on the sidelines, you, you end up um, risking that none of your interests will be protected if you're not fully engaged in the process and, and trying to, to further your, your clubs or your, your community's interests. If you represent outdoor recreation, boy, you, you really want to be making sure you have good representation on, on council and with the Marion council's office. So, so that you, you do get a fair shake when, when decisions down the road come about, well, what land is going to get developed and what, what, pressure is going to be put on developers to make sure that they protect trails or donate back to the trail network when they're uh, putting a development that say takes two kilometers of great trail out of the network because now that's a residential development. So 
So what do you think it says about the the mountain bike community in general that we have so many uh, advocates that are standing up and, and running for a municipal election? Well, I, I personally see it very positive. I think it's very positive. I think it's showing how things have really shifted over, you know, even just the last five years with this push to legitimize all the trails. Uh, we're seeing a more sophisticated sport. Um, the sport is no longer just fringe, you know, it's really, it's mainstream. So those, all these mainstream people are involved in the sport. So you're going to see more that mainstream also going to be entering into the political realm. So I, I think it's a really positive shift for the sport. I mean, it's still a relatively young sport, uh, but to see, uh, you know, that, um, that interest in, in being in, in the community, it, it shows the side that, uh, um, you know, we're, we're wanting to, to be influenced and influencing the community as a large, and we're no longer just sitting on the sidelines. That's kind of my take. Yeah, I, I used to find, well, I know in Squamish, uh, probably 15 years ago when they went through the war in the woods to save Powerhouse Plunge, um, and, and uh, politicians' attitudes towards mountain biking was completely different than how, how it is now. Um, having a seat at the table is is uh, so important uh, but I think it's it's all like more than forcing our way there it's it's like we've earned our earned our spot there in in that the way that we have contributed to the community and giving giving a lot of residents a, a great recreation outlet uh, and bringing our economy great wealth um, bringing bringing tourists to our town because of what volunteers have created uh, in, in Squamish, I know we have probably over 200 kilometers of trails and, you know, I, we've kind of roughly estimated that to be worth about $14 million if you were to have to rebuild that in a, in a commercial bike park. So what volunteers have contributed to this community is finally getting recognized as, as something that's creating value, uh, that is something that's important, uh, that's needed to be protected. And it'll be really interesting to see if we can escalate this from being very important at the municipal level to the provincial level, uh, where we can start to have discussions with uh, other land users and particularly the forestry industry and so that we can work in, in cooperation with each other and actually come out with a, a, a better a better outcome that, that allows for this growing mountain bike tourism economy to happen here in BC. I love that, Jeff. Great answer. Yeah, it just shows how far we've come. I think when I when I started doing this 20 years ago, you know, being involved with a with a trails organisation would probably have been a handicap to getting elected, and uh, clearly that's no longer the case. It was still uh, I, I know here uh, there, there's still a little there's an old hangover from the old logging guys, but I actually one of my bigger endorsers was John Lowe of Squamish Mills, who was one of the old old time logging guys. And he's like, I think his uh, his comment to me was, well, we'll support you because you're not one of the radicals. <laughs> so he's like an 80-year-old guy who runs one of the biggest logging companies. Anyway, it's like, okay, well, that's, I'll take that, man. That's, <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> that was interesting. Awesome. Great. Uh, for those out there who have considered running for local politics, do you have any suggestions or, or perhaps cautionary tales for them? I think it was fairly painless in, in our community. It was 
very collegial among the different candidates and uh, you know nobody was you know overtly campaigning there weren't lawn signs up or that sort of thing um, you know if I was going to give someone advice I think you know you need a community profile it's, it's very difficult for somebody to no matter how compelling their arguments or you know enthusiastic they are if, if you don't have a community profile it you know, that, that, you're just not going to have that name recognition and you need to build that through involvement in community organisations. I'm just fortunate enough that trails are a significant enough part of our community that that translated into that sort of name recognition. Um, but, yeah, building that profile is the key thing. Yeah, and I agree with Stuart. Um, all four of the councillors in the CUSP that got elected all are you know, serving on different boards in the community, are volunteering for the community, um, are well, were well known in advance. The, the campaigning and the, the forums and such were really minor. I think for the most part, most people had made up their minds of who they were going to be voting for just based on um, their contrib- current contributions and previous contributions to the community. Yeah, I, I agree with, with both Stuart and Janice. There's- being involved in the community, showing that you're someone that, that already is willing to give back and, and, and take care and, and be a steward of your community is is a huge step forward. But it, it does help people know know your name so that uh, even if they're not terribly involved in politics, at least that you're, you're a name that they recognize, which, which is a big advantage. Well, I just want to say thank you to, to all three of you for taking the time and, and chatting about this and for sharing. Um, I also want to say congratulations to, to all three, no matter the result. I'm sure it was a, a long road that was busy and, and you made it out the other end. So congratulations for that as well. Thanks, Brent. Thanks, Brent. All right. Thanks, Brent. Jeff mentioned a conversation that happened during a Squamish Off-Road Cycling Association board meeting that I wanted to expand on a bit. The conversation was about whether or not the Trail Association should or even could endorse Jeff as a candidate. This is something that every group needs to be careful of, and there's certain restrictions on endorsing political candidates, and it revolves around your charity status. I know in British Columbia, and it's probably similar in other provinces across Canada, that if you're a registered charity, you can't endorse a specific candidate. As a nonprofit, you might have some wiggle room, but it's best to stay neutral. This actually relates to a conversation I had back in episode 12 with Vernon Huffman, president of Access for Bikes. In the United States, if you're a 501c3, then you're not able to endorse specific candidates. And that's why Access for Bikes is a 527 instead. The challenge, though, is that donations aren't eligible for tax receipts. Now, since that episode, there's been the creation of the Access for Bikes Foundation, which is a 501c3, and that supports the 527 organization, Access for Bikes, but they're two different organizations. Now, even if your organization can't endorse a specific candidate, that doesn't mean you can't play an active role in an upcoming election. Here's Cooper Quinn, past guest and vice president of the North Shore Mountain Bike Association, to explain. What we at the North Shore Mountain Bike Association chose to do was an all-candidates survey. Basically, what we did was we sent out a small survey of questions to all of the candidates for mayor and council in the District of North Vancouver, compiled those answers and comments we received back and to those who chose to respond, and sent those responses out to our members, our mailing list, and shared on social media. This was important to us. Ultimately, the District of North Vancouver 
a huge amount of the trails that we build and maintain are on their land and uh, they provide roughly a quarter of our funding on an annual basis. Uh, we chose this route for a couple of reasons. Number one was we're registered not-for-profit charity, which means here in Canada, we're strictly forbidden from anything that can be construed as electioneering, i.e. we can't back specific candidates or parties in any way. What we can do is distribute information on all candidates. And number two, politics is complex. Ultimately, mountain biking trails and outdoor recreation weren't strong election issues in our municipality, and nor really should they have been. Housing, transportation, and other issues really took center stage as far more important problems. And backing specific candidates, even if we could, would potentially upset or alienate parts of our membership who may disagree with other parts of those candidates' platform. So we just wanted to provide another possible differentiating factor for voters, as well as make candidates who are now mayor and council-elect more aware of us as an organization. So I'd recommend to other organizations they think about how local, regional, and potentially even national politics shape their work, their trails, and their funding, and how to carefully get involved if you aren't already. If you're a smaller, recreation-focused town like Squamish, BC, maybe you host your own all-candidates meeting or debate. Or if you're a small organization working to get a bike park built in your neighborhood in a you know major metropolitan area, engage with your local elected officials, engage with your community of voters and get them to buy in and drive that discussion with the politicians. Keep in mind, this doesn't have to happen just in the run up to an election. Politicians are always thinking about the next cycle and that community is a community of voters. Thanks, Cooper. And I'll include a link to that survey in the show notes as well. Once again, a reminder that the 2018 MTB State Summit happening in Grand Rapids, Michigan kicks off November 6th. Registration is still open. It'll be great to see you there. There's also a one-day event happening in Brantford, Ontario on November 4th called the Ontario Mountain Bike Summit. Links to both of those events are in the show notes. Quick update from Lance Peischer of the Bitterroot Backcountry Cyclists. I'll quote an email from him here. Quote, We won a small court victory, won access, and then lost it again. The Forest Service was going to have a new commenting period on the issue, but limited who could comment only to those who made comments during the original travel plan process 10 years ago. Well, after some cajoling and intercession of Senator Danes, the Forest Service has reconsidered. They reset the clock and are now allowing everyone to comment. It is vital that mountain bikers make their voice known. I have heard from more than one person that it is pointless, that the Forest Service will never change their mind. Well, I can guarantee that if we do nothing. Their decision will stand, but if we make noise, maybe, just maybe, we can make a difference. All I know is that 10 years ago, no one gave mountain bikers a second thought when it came to how the forest was managed. Now the forest supervisor knows who we are, the senators and congressmen know who we are, and yes, the wilderness groups know who we are. Things are changing, and the only way to keep making progress is to get engaged And I'm not asking anything big, so even if you don't have a plan to ever ride these trails, help out fellow mountain bikers and shoot off a quick email. It will take five minutes. Go to our webpage, bitterrootbackcountrycyclist.org, click on the link for talking points. You'll need to add your name and do a little typing, but thanks for the support. End quote. I've included that link in the show notes, and be sure to use the hashtag bikesbelong on social media. Next episode will be number 50. And to celebrate, I've been working on a Greatest Hits episode that will include audio from a bunch of past episode guests as we look at the journey this podcast has taken us on over the last two years. If you have a favorite moment or episode, then let me know and I'll try to get it into episode 50. Like always, you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at FrontlinesMTB. You can send me an email or audio file at info at frontlinesmtb.com. 
You can stream the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you haven't done so already, leave us a review on wherever you get the show. It helps others find the podcast. And if you haven't had a look at the YouTube channel, what I've been doing with these panel discussions is including a photograph of whoever is speaking in the moment. Today's episode is a great example. As one guest speaks, their image will come up, and it's a real great way to easily keep track of who's commenting and and who's speaking during the episode. Don't forget to support the show via PayPal. You can find a link in the show notes, along with a link to the Frontline's MTB Book Club, and a portion of any purchases made on Amazon after following those links will be sent to the podcast. The latest book is Major Taylor, the inspiring story of a black cyclist and the men who helped him achieve worldwide fame by authors Conrad Kerber and Terry Kerber. Check out the show notes for a number of links mentioned throughout the episode, and you'll find a link to an Amazon wish list if you're curious about the kind of equipment needed to bring this show to new places. Music, as always, is by Lee Rosevier, production notes by Jennifer Pride, artwork is created by Brandon Gallagher Watson and BGW Creative. And finally, I'm Brent Hillier. This is Frontlines. Thanks for listening, and happy trails.